0: There's something quite modern about a fragment of an old ballad. It doesn't waste time with the niceties of introductions or scene setting. It cuts to the chase with just the most interesting or memorable parts, like a Netflix drama. It leaves us wondering and wanting more. Welcome to Handed Down, celebrating traditional songs and the people who sing them. I'm Jenny Shaw, and as usual we're on the trail of a song that's been handed down through the folk tradition. This time, we're focusing on a long, long ballad that somehow got transformed into flash fiction, and it's based on a true story. Fair Rosamond has become distilled to its essence, just a short piece of dialogue and its impacts. It hints at forbidden love, and perhaps even incest. For me, it was yet another gem from my parents' topic folk sampler records, and like many other folk revival songs, I've been carrying it around in my head ever since. In this episode, we'll look into the true story that started it all off and the many wonderful legends it inspired, as well as tracing the history of the song. And it all starts with a king
1: as king henry ruled this land the second of that name beside the queen he dearly loved a fair and comely dame most peerless was her beauty found her favor and her face a sweeter creature in this world did never prince
0: embrace Every now and then, a story really catches the imagination and becomes transformed into the stuff of legend. It taps into something timeless and is repeated throughout the ages, adapting to each era. In our age of rapid news cycles, a few weeks is a long time, but a particularly salacious story, one of scandal perhaps, might go on for many years. This particular royal scandal is 850 years old.
1: Saint Nicolai's goddess truth, Timbre was fire, e shone who's at the birth, at the bar, Saint Nicolai's drink well thar.
0: King Henry II seems like an unlikely romantic hero. A short, stocky, and scruffily dressed redhead. He was given to fits of temper and brooding. But he was also good-looking, intelligent and energetic, and very successful with women. He was a king, after all. The first of the Plantagenets, he expanded his kingdom and reformed both the law and the English currency. Later in his life, his sons and his wife rebelled against him, egged on by nobles who saw opportunities for themselves, and drawing a number of neighbouring countries into the fight, and yet, somehow, he survived, continued to rule, with his sons forced to reconcile with him. This was also the king whose careless words led to the death of Thomas a Becket, the then Archbishop of Canterbury, and unwittingly created a saintly cult and the most popular pilgrimage site in medieval England. let oh go. Rosamond Clifford was said to be the greatest beauty of her age, the fair rose of the world, the Rosa Mundi. Some say she was the love of Henry's life and a rival to the powerful Queen Eleanor of Aquitaine. We know that she was the daughter of a lord, Walter de Clifford, and that she spent some of her formative years and the end of her life at Godstow, near Oxford. We also know that she and Henry had an affair. And that she had a relatively short life, dying in her late twenties or early thirties. But after that legend takes over from fact. The first written record of Rosamond's story is perhaps the most lurid and fanciful. It comes from the French Chronicle of London, compiled some time in the 14th century.. <laughs> In this year, the Queen was shamefully hooted and reviled at London Bridge as she was desiring to go from the Tower to Westminster and this because she had caused a gentle damsel to be put to death, the most beauteous that was known, and imputed to her that she was the king's concubine, for which reason the queen had her taken and stripped all naked and made her sit between two great fires in a chamber quite closed, so that this very beauteous damsel was greatly terrified, for she thought for certain that she should be burnt, and began to be in great sorrow by reason thereof. And in the meantime, the queen had caused a bath to be prepared, and then made the beauteous damsel enter therein, and forthwith she made a wicked old hag beat this beauteous damsel upon both her arms with a staff. And then, so soon as ever the blood gushed forth, there came another execrable sorceress, and brought two frightful toads upon a trowel, and put them upon the breasts of the gentle damsel, "'whereupon they immediately seized her breasts and began to suck. Two other old hags also held her arms stretched out "'so that the beauteous damsel might not be able to sink down in the water "'until all the blood that was in her body had run out. "'And all the time that the filthy toads were sucking at the breasts "'of this most beauteous damsel, the queen, laughing the while, mocked her "'and had great joy in her heart at being thus revenged upon Rosamond. And when she was dead, the Queen had her body taken and buried in a filthy ditch, and with the body, the toads. Throughout the Renaissance period, her story was told, retold and embellished, though the story about the toads seems to have been dropped. John Brompton, a 15th century abbot of Jovo Abbey, wrote that the King built for Rosamond a bower at Woodstock of admirable architecture, similar to Daedalus's work lest perhaps he should be easily embarrassed by the Queen. In Greek mythology, Daedalus was the architect of the original labyrinth. In other words, King Henry built a labyrinth to hide his mistress from his wife. That's a king-sized solution to an age-old problem. We'll let the Elizabethan poet Michael Drayton take up the tale. Henry, the second of that name, King of England, having by long suit and princely gifts won, to his unlawful desire, fair Rosamond, the daughter of Lord Walter Clifford, and to avoid the danger of Eleanor, his jealous queen, had caused a labyrinth to be made within his palace at Woodstock, in the centre whereof he had lodged his beauteous paramour. Whilst the king is absent in his wars in Normandy, This poor, distressed lady, enclosed in this solitary place, touched with remorse of conscience, writes to the king of her distress and miserable estate, urging him with all means and persuasions to clear himself of this infamy and her of the grief of mind by taking away her wretched life. What follows is the most dramatic outpouring of remorse in a fictional letter from Rosamond to King Henry in which she decries her own wickedness against God and the wronged wife, Queen Eleanor. Punish my fault, or pity mine estate. Read it for love, if not for love, for hate. If with my shame thine eyes thou fain wouldst feed, here, let them surfeit on my shame to read. This scribbled paper which I send to thee, if noted rightly, doth resemble me. As this pure ground whereon these letters stand, so pure was I, ere stained by thy hand. Ere I was blotted with this foul offence, so clear and spotless was mine innocence. Now, like these marks which taint this hateful scroll, such the black sins which spot my leprous There's soul. six pages of this. Beast thou hast transformed thy love, nay worse far, degenerate from kind, a monster both in body and in mind. The waxen taper which I burn by night, with his dull vapoury dimness, mocks my sight. I think Michael Drayton might have been working out some issues of his own here. Let's move on. The earliest surviving ballad featuring Fair Rosamond was written around this time, and we know exactly who the author was, Thomas Deloney. Yea, Rosamond, fair Rosamond, her name was called so, to whom our Queen Dame Eleanor was known a deadly foe. The King, therefore, for her defence, against his furious Queen, at Woodstock built such a bower the like was never seen. Most curiously, this bower was built of stone and timber strong, and hundred and fifty doors did to this bower belong, and they so cunningly contrived with turnings round about, that none but with a clue of thread could enter in or out. It's a long and fanciful tale drawing on a number of folklore motifs. The king has to go and fight in the wars, and Rosamond is so heartbroken that she asks if she can come along with him as his page. But the king says no, the wars are no place for a woman. She should stay in her secret bower and amuse herself with music. He leaves her in the care of a knight, Sir Thomas possibly the most useless character ever to grace a folk song, because, the next thing we know, Queen Eleanor has found her way through the labyrinth and into the not-so-secret bower. But when the Queen with steadfast eye beheld her beauteous face, she was amazed, in her mind, at her exceeding grace. Cast off from thee those robes, she said, that rich and costly be, and drink thou up this deadly draught which I have brought to thee. Michael Drayton aside, Rosamond, the mistress, is presented as the victim in most of these early accounts, with Henry's wife, Queen Eleanor, as the villain of the piece. This may be because Eleanor's reputation, during her lifetime and afterwards, was for being promiscuous and power-hungry. Eleanor was a strong and intelligent woman. She ruled Aquitaine in her own right, and seems to have been a capable military strategist and a strong ruler. She may also have made an important contribution to culture. With her daughter Marie, she spent five years presiding over her court in Poitiers, encouraging the music of the troubadours and helping to develop the latest trend the manners of chivalry and courtly love. Later in their marriage, the experienced Eleanor dared to question some of Henry's more questionable policies, and eventually it was she that incited her sons to rebel against their father. She was quite some way from the ideal of medieval womanhood. Eleanor has a ballad of her own, Queen Eleanor's Confession, in which she confesses on her deathbed to a number of sins, including adultery and plotting to kill the king. The ballad pretty much sums up her reputation. By contrast, the only things we really know about Rosamond are in relation to Henry. She was beautiful, and she was his mistress. Eleanor was imprisoned at the time of Rosamond's death, so all reports of her as the killer are just stories, but they're strangely persistent.
1: Queen Eleanor was a sick woman and sick just like to die, and she sent for two friars of friends to come to
0: her speedy lie. We might welcome back to this ballad in a later episode, but now that we've got all the backstory, let's look at the song Fair Rosamond. I first heard it sung by Hedy West on Topic Folk Sampler Number Two, probably before I was three. This version of the song comes from Massachusetts. It appears in Eloise Hubbard-Linscott's collection, Folk Songs of New England. Linscott was a folklorist and song collector, and it looks as though she may have collected this song herself. The notes in the book certainly suggest she did. They read, Sung by Mrs. Edith I. Kidder and Mrs. Helen Irons of Assanet, Massachusetts, descendants of Abea Ashley, in whose family the songs traditional to the Hathaway family have been preserved. This is presumably the first time that this ballad has been recorded in this country. linscott believed it to be an ancient ballad, dating back to the time of Henry II, but that seems unlikely. However, it may be true that the song was knocking around in New England for a while, but where did it come from? Well, that's one mystery that's easily solved. Like so many songs, it came across from England and took on a life of its own. This is a ballad with a long title. The Unfortunate Concubine, or "Rosamond's Overthrow, occasioned by her brothers unadvisedly praising her beauty and shape to two young knights of Salisbury as they rid on the road. By the time you've listened to the whole of this title, you don't really need to hear the song. It begins, Sweet youthful charming ladies' fair, framed of the purest mould, with rosy cheeks and silken hair which shine like threads of gold, soft tears of pity here bestow for the unhappy fates of Rosamond, who long ago was most unfortunate. There's a fair amount of scene setting, and then it goes on as follows. As three young knights of Salisbury
1: were riding on the way, one boasted of a lady fair, within her bower so gay. I have a sister, Clifford said, but few men do her know. Upon her face her skin appears like drops of blood on snow.
0: He goes on to praise her hair and her breast, and says that he hopes Henry will never get to hear of her. But, of course, Henry does overhear. He sends for Clifford and asks him to take a letter to his sister, summoning her to his royal bed. When Rosamond reads the letter, she's angry with her brother. Why did you boast beyond your bounds, she says. You might have talked of hawks or hounds and never bragged of me. She also cries because she could have married a lord rather than being the king's mistress. What's more, her planet book or planner book which is presumably some kind of almanac or astrological book, tells her she is going to be poisoned. This dramatic and almost certainly fictional scene may hide an uncomfortable truth. Rosamond was young when she met Henry. She may have been in her teens while being educated by the nuns at Godstow and she likely had little say about becoming his mistress because who can refuse a king? The following verses, and there are many of them, bring the story to its conclusion. Rosamond goes to Henry and he wins her over with his power and his gifts. He sets her up in a labyrinth, finding his way to her each time with a silken thread. But the jealous and wicked Eleanor eventually finds this out, follows the silk and poisons her rival. In this version, Henry throws Eleanor in prison for 26 years for this crime and she's only released by his death. In real life, of course, Eleanor was imprisoned, but it was for 16 years and her crime was inciting the revolt against the king, which is way cooler. This is a very long ballad, the type that's not often sung these days. It's found in several collections from the 18th century, although it may have been older. Its tune is called The Court Lady and was a dancing tune. It's also known rather charmingly as Confess His Tune, In other words, the tune written by Mr Confess, who was a court dancing master in the early 17th century. The modern version of Fair Rosamond almost certainly comes from this ballad. I think the tune has hints of the court lady too, although it's much simpler. A tune for ordinary folk, not kings and queens, but still with a hint of the regal about it. This original ballad of Fair Rosamond has 52 verses. In the 18th century and earlier, this might have been a welcome diversion in the long winter nights, but I can't imagine many modern audiences having the patience for it. The version we're left with cuts straight to the chase, focusing on Clifford's words, but like the song Flandyke Shore, which we featured back in September, it creates a mystery. We understand that Henry and Rosamond have a connection, but what's of Clifford? Is he in love with his sister? Is he possessive, or just a protective brother against an over-amorous king? And what happens next? We know that it didn't end well for the real-life Rosamond. She died young after being estranged from Henry. But she wasn't killed by a jealous queen. More likely she died of natural causes, one of the many illnesses for which there were no treatments, or perhaps even in childbirth. And what of her mysterious bower, the labyrinth with a silken thread that turned out to be no good for hiding from the jealous queen? Keep listening after the song and I'll tell you more about it.
1: I have a sister young Clifford said a sister that no man knows she had the color all in her cheek like a drop of blood in snow she had a the waist, a the waste away. of a cat. The tears run down aisles. Oh, cursed be, my brother Clifford Let's say.
0: During her affair with Henry, Rosamond lived somewhere in the grounds of the now demolished Woodstock Palace. Her labyrinth may have been a hedge maze, like the one nearby Blenheim Palace that surrounded her house. Some have suggested it might have been an underground maze, though it's hard to imagine a king's mistress living in a cave. Either way, there are remnants of the foundations of a medieval house in the Woodstock grounds. The area has been marked for at least 400 years, by a square stone pool known as Rosamond's Well, which some say formed part of her bower. The well is reputed to have healing properties. Ah. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on Google or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please tell others about it and consider leaving us a review. You can find references and music sources in the show notes. Until next time, goodbye.